0: are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Thursday, June the 27th, and yes, we are talking free agency today. This is your boy, Matt Shook, a sports writer here in Detroit City, covering the NBA for the Detroit News and the Associated Press. Pistons fan and follower my whole life and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for the listen. And of course, hey, I wanted to let you know if you're into the Detroit Tigers and uh, maybe doing some wishful thinking about the future. Every Monday I got a feature in the Detroit News about a different Detroit Tigers prospect. So if you've been reading those, I hope you enjoy it. But if you are interested, check those out at detnews.com or in the print edition on Monday's paper. So I've enjoyed doing those, doing a little baseball work in the basketball offseason here but today we're going to run down the bits of news out there, including the NBA awards from the other night. I'm a little late on those, but I feel like it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty appropriate to be late on those as they came so late in the NBA calendar, as everyone has joked about on social media these last couple of days. But we're also going to talk about the backup point guard options for the Pistons and free agency. That's opening up this weekend, so we've got to give you a little two-day primer on that. I'll give you a full mid-level exemption Option that I like, maybe a mid range option that I like, and maybe a cost cutting option I like if you want to go mid level exemption on the backup center or possibly adding another wing instead. But give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that, and also the Locked On Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked On Pistons dash Matt Shook. But for the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked on NBA. Net. You don't have to follow every one of us individually. You can just follow that account. An awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency at Locked On NBA Net. Easy way to find that. And free agency is coming up. 6 p.m. on Sunday night is when that one-week moratorium begins, June 30th. They bumped it up from the midnight July 1st, as in the past, so they could uh, probably catch some more TV ratings. And that's Sunday night. ESPN is going to be going live with the jump. All night long there I'll be tuned into that and tweeting alongside you guys too so if you're by your devices on Sunday night be a good place to open up there and then we'll uh, we'll come up with the uh, a podcast after some of the dust settles from those first few hours so you can have it early Monday morning as well so all the details will start coming across Twitter starting 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night and then July 6th free agency free agents can officially sign with those teams so that's what's coming up this weekend, but first, I want to do a little bit of a housekeeping. Uh, as the two of the three trades that the Pistons made on draft night are now finalized, the team announced them on Wednesday night. The Dervitus Servitas trade is now official with Dallas. We use a Piston and Isaiah Roby of Nebraska officially headed to the Mavericks, and also in the other trade, Kevin Porter Junior. off to Cleveland. That's official now as well. Uh, the Jordan Bone deal for number fifty-seven has not been completed yet. So um, that will should hopefully be coming in the next couple of days. Because as Keith Langlois of Pistons. dot com noted on Twitter, is that uh, summer league practice starts on Tuesday. So obviously Jordan Bone, if that trade's not completed, he won't be able to participate in some of those first practices leading up to, I believe, Saturday. Um, will be the opener for summer league in Las Vegas on uh, July fifth. So maybe that's Friday, July fifth. I believe is the opener for the Pistons against Croatia in little in Las Vegas in Summer League 2019. So let's run down the net of the deals and the draft picks because I know that got a little foggy for some of you guys, or some of us, I should say, on draft night. I don't think we've gone over that officially here on the uh, podcast. So uh, the Pistons had number 30, uh, the last pick of the first round, but instead they picked up four picks in a trade for number 30 from the Cleveland Cavaliers. That included Utah's 2020 pick, Uh, Portland's 2021 and also 2023 pick, and also a 2024 pick from the Miami Heat. So those are the four, but that one's heavily protected. Um, So then they turned around and moved up from 45 to, I believe, 37 in a pick swap situation for Dallas. And in addition to the pick swap, they also threw in the Utah 2020 pick and the Portland 2021 pick. So uh, also they threw in that heavily protected Miami Heat. 2024 pick to jump in and acquire Jordan Bone at number 57 so that Miami pick was very protected it's from what I can understand the Pistons were only going to receive that in 2024 if that pick was between number 31 and 35 which is pretty uh good chance of that happening but still um you know uh, there was a chance they were going to get phased out of that anyway and now like I said they don't have that pick at all so the net of that entire night was not in addition to obviously Servitus and Seku Dumbuya and Jordan Bone. The Pistons also acquired and uh, and kept the Portland Trailblazers 2023 second-round pick, and there's no protections on that. So um over the next four seasons, the Pistons have traded all four of their second-round picks. Two of those for Kyrie Thomas last year, another one in the deal that acquired uh, Jameer Nelson, and another one in the deal that acquired James Ennis. So those four picks are all gone, and in a, in not only that, but uh, the 2022 draft, uh, they traded that one away, and uh, that's the one that's going to be the loaded double draft, uh, probably, if, if everything uh, goes according to plan here in these next CBA go- negotiations. So that's bad news. Bad job by Stan Van Gundy, and I have that long-term insight and vision there it would be nice if you had a full-time team president at that point and uh, maybe a more sophisticated front office would have been able to pull that off and we see what Jeff Bauer's doing laughably in Phoenix right now too so our suspicions of how bad the front office was under the Stan Van Gundy regime have kind of been realized here in this time so to recap what the Pistons do have over the next four years like I said they've traded away their own uh, second round picks over the next four years with no protections uh, thanks a lot, Stan. But um, they, like I said, they do have that Blazers 2023 pick and the Lakers 2021 pick in the uh, Reggie Bullock's v. Luke deal. So no second-round pick next year. The Lakers' second-round pick in 2021. No second-round pick in 2022. The Blazers' second-round pick in 2023. And then 2024 on, the Pistons have their own uh, second-round picks going forward after that for now. And we know Ed Stefanski's, easy and quick on the dealing with those second round picks. So, uh, and, and as far as first round picks, the Pistons have their own first round picks from here to eternity as we speak and then, um, have not acquired anyone else's uh, first round picks in the future as well. So, um, also what's coming up on the NBA calendar or what's been happening on the NBA calendar, teams are facing the qualifying offer deadline for some of their restricted free agents. The Pistons don't have any of those. June 29th is the deadline there to either extend the qualifying offer or to uh, renounce your restricted rights and make those players unrestricted free agents. No official word, this is separate from restricted free agency, but no official word on the team option situation for Glenn Robbins in the third. But as you recall on draft night, the beat guys passed along that uh, it's unlikely the deal gets picked up. And that came from sources inside the Pistons organization, but we haven't heard the, the Woj bomb, the Shams bomb. And I tweeted this late tonight on a Wednesday night that it's, um, it's interesting that, that, you know, they were so quick to tell beat reporters locally on uh, a week ago that uh, it's unlikely that Glenn Robinson III's uh, $4.5 million option is going to get picked up. But yet here we are with all of these, um, qualifying offers either being uh, offered or not, Coming through the news and coming through Twitter on Wednesday throughout the day, and yet there's no news on Glenn Robinson III, who appears to be a very easy decision in my opinion, and from what we've heard, and uh, one that I agree with in terms of that being that easy. But someone we did. So so what I'm just saying is maybe there's some some other reason that that wouldn't have been uh, declined yet. And uh, no, they cannot trade Glenn Robinson III to a team who would then decline that option. Uh, so that they could clear cap space for this summer. That's not a thing you can do. You can trade Glenn Robinson III, but that would be uh, guaranteeing that option. So they'd have to pick up that option and then trade him as a one-year expiring at $4.5 million. Now possible that that could happen, and they could uh, you know package him with a Galloway or something like that and be able to move in for someone at that uh, you know $12 million price range or something like that, a Tony Snell type of deal. That they made last week, but uh, as far as um, restricted free agents, one of the names that popped up, Stanley Johnson, former Piston, the New Orleans Pelicans declined the qualifying offer for him, so Stanley becomes an unrestricted free agent uh, going forward, and uh, a few other guys who were offered who were offered the qualifying offer, so they are restricted free agents. They were point guards around the league. We'll talk about them a little later and how it relates to the Pistons uh, searching this. Uh, summer for their backup point guard situation, so the Pistons might have a a chance to be playing in those restricted free agent waters, which is a bit of a risk. It puts you behind the eight ball, as if you you have to wait until the the offer sheet can be presented to that player and signed on July sixth, and then the other team that has their restricted free agency rights has two days, a two day period till July eighth to decide whether they want to match that offer or not. Now, in the meantime, obviously you you kind of tied up that money. You might miss out on other guys or maybe the market shifts in an unfavorable way in the meantime. Now, you could get lucky and um, have the team match, and then maybe that uh, presents some things that are left over on the scrap heap that could work out well or just as well or maybe even better there in the long run. So uh, some interesting times coming up early July, but like I said, wanted to run through the awards that came out during the award show on Monday night. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP, and uh, also with the bucks Mike our coach of the year executive of the year John Horst the guy who I talked about uh, and had a uh, a big article in the Detroit News I talked to him extensively in December that came out in late January and a uh, nice article I encourage you guys to read that uh look at and and John Horst the the hook for the story is that he used to work in the Pistons front office he grew up in the Thumb in Sandusky Michigan and also played at Rochester College uh, for the great Garth Pleasant There, so uh, Luka Doncic to the Mavs, Rookie of the Year. We all saw that coming. I'm not going to pat myself too hard on the back uh, as there was many people on the Luka Doncic bandwagon going into the draft last year. I was one of them. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year for the second straight year. Pascal Siakam, who is a young Sekou Dumbaya. I know that we've heard all the comparisons of Pascal and Sekou. So we'll call Pascal a young or an old Sekou Dumbaya. Sorry, screwed up my own joke, but uh, everyone hears how Sekou might be projectable to Pascal. Well, we think Sekou is is a younger version, or we can think Pascal is an older version of Sekou Dumbaya. Uh, I keep screwing up my own my own bad joke. But uh, sixth man of the year, Lou Williams of the Clippers. Teammate. What's interesting about some of these minor awards, and I say minor, I shouldn't say that because they're kind of more citizenship type stuff, but the players voted on them. And uh, teammate of the year and NBA Sportsmanship Award both went to Mike Conley. So, again, uh, hats off to the Utah Jazz for making a nice trade there and adding a nice veteran piece to their team. And uh, also wanted to pass along the Community Cares Award Went to Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards, so a good dude there from St. Louis as well. Also around the internet on Wednesday, I encourage you to check out TMZSports.com and see what Blake Griffin's up to in Ibiza. That's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, and up next, we're going to talk about the free agent point guards. I'll give out the list and I'll give my recommendations for the Pistons front office a little bit later on in the show here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Yeah! So We are going to run down some of these point guard free agency options here, and a little bit later on, I'm going to give you my pick for what I think they should do in free agency. I'm going to give you a full mid-level exemption uh, possibility, and then maybe a you know partial middle of the road type of option, and then someone where maybe they go minimum salary type of guy with the idea that maybe they're going to instead use the mid-level exemption to go for a backup center instead, which is something I do not recommend. But anyway, the Pistons, as it sits right now, on my understanding is that they have 11 guys on the roster for next year. you got Bruce, Kyrie, and Svee. you got Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, Tony Snell, Luke Kennard. The assumption is that Sekou Dimbouya will sign and then be one of the uh, main roster spots. Thonmaker and Langston Galloway as well. Um, that's with the assumption that they decline Glenn Robinson's option. He is not one of the eleven. But then, uh, you know, it's, you want your fifteen guys is the maximum for your NBA roster. We have heard that the two-way deals have already been handed out to Jordan Bone and Lewis King, who was picked up as an undrafted free agent there. So, uh, we we don't have no word on the contract situation or the possible stash situation of Davidas Servitas. I know that's something that's being ironed out. Right now, uh, I have a fear that the front office with the Pistons maybe thought that Davidas Servetus was certainly going to be stashed over in Europe for at least a, a period of time. And maybe he was very serious about taking the buyout and coming over here more so than they knew or maybe more so than they had hoped. But uh, we also know that um, Arn Tellem's son, Michael Tellem, is the agent of Davidas Servetus, which is something that we don't approve of here on Lockdown Pistons, doing business with uh, your, your son's clients and trading up for him in the second round for a guy who may or may not had been at that kind of uh, demand at that point. So, you know, looking at the 12, 13, and 14 spots on the roster, the Pistons don't have to fill out all the 15 spots on the roster at the first day of the season or training camp or anything like that. So they can have a little bit, bit of patience. So let's uh, let's throw DeVitas Servitas as that 15th guy on the roster for now. And then, um, yeah, you can you look at 12, 13, and 14. You're probably looking at a backup point guard a backup uh five, and then maybe one more wing because you got Sekou Dembuya who's basically your backup small forward at this point behind Tony Snell. And uh, we don't know. So you, you don't know about that. You might be looking at one more wing on a minimum minimum salary type of situation there as well. Now to recap the Pistons uh wallet, so to speak, they've have act they're over the cap. They are um, towing the luxury tax line just like they did last year. There's reason to believe that uh, Ed Stefanski in the front office will take it right up to the luxury tax line and certainly not go over it, as there's no reason for the Pistons, who are uh, far away from being a title contender, to go over the tax. Because once you do that, then you become a repeater tax team in year two, and then uh, you know you're paying a lot more money. Uh, and, and just you know, obviously, if you're a winning team, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you hope that your ownership would go into the luxury tax. Tom Gorris has said that he will go into the luxury tax, but the Pistons just aren't at that level right now. As a fan base, you should hope that they're willing and ready to do it at some point, but that not that they're so reckless that they would go into it as a fringe playoff team in the Eastern Conference right now. So being that they're over the salary cap and can't sign free agents with any kind of cap space that they do not have, they have to use a thing called the, the um, mid-level exception, which is $9.3 million. Mid-level exemptions can extend for uh, up to four years. So you can use those uh, and you can also break up that money, uh, not use all $9.3 million on one uh, prospect. You can break it up and you can also use some of this money to sign free agents as well, which is, or not free agents, I'm sorry, draft picks as well. They're going to have to do that to, uh, to, to get those guys under, in, under contract as well the biannual exemption is another tool the pistons will have access to this off season they used it to sign anthony tolliver two years ago and because of that they did not have it last year hence the name the biannual exemption they you can only uh, initiate contracts with it every other year so this is a year the pistons can use it it's a 3.6 million dollar first year um, contract exemption that can only be the maximum of two years And it can you know these exemptions all have like five percent raises going forward or they have uh, built-in raise amounts that they have going forward so uh, 9.3 million dollars would be the mid-level exemption the first year and then they go up from there and then the 3.6 million dollars the first year for the biannual exemption and it goes up to 3.8 million dollars these are me rounding off at those hundreds of thousands of dollars by the way um it's there's a very specific amount that these can be maximized for. So the mid-level exemption, the bilingual exemption, and then, uh, you know, after that you can use, uh, you know, the minimum salaries to round off the deal, uh, provided you can fit them under the cap, or under which they won't, or, you know, up to the luxury tax, or you can use these exemptions to get those uh, minimum salary players as well. So um, my recommendation for the Pistons, uh, well, I guess we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's go, let's go through the players first. Obviously the number one player that is going to be need to be considered by the Pistons is Ish Smith, who just played with them for three seasons at $6 million per. I would say that he didn't quite live up to that $6 million per contract, um, no fault of his own. It was overpaid in the summer of 16 by Stan Van Gundy, so more power to him, and was nothing but a great citizen and uh, teammate and well-liked guy and productive guy, nice change of pace, not much defense to speak of. Some of that because of his size limitations. Not much shooting to speak of, although he improved in year two on the three point shooting. But uh, that's not something that Pistons fans have any faith will be a sustained success in three point shooting, although he did have some success at the first part of this past season. But um, someone the Pistons will consider to bring back, obviously, uh, partially for sentimental reasons, but of course, because he's a productive player with the second unit as well and is familiar with all the guys in the locker room. Uh, A couple of guys that uh, were extended qualifying offers in restricted free agency by their teams were Tyus Jones of Minnesota and Tomas Sodoransky of Washington. That was news that broke on Wednesday. Interesting for the Pistons because those are a couple of guys that could be in play for them as uh, guys that they could extend an offer sheet to. Terry Rozier of the Celtics is also in this book, but he's going to be too expensive for the Pistons and that's someone they want to uh, get in bed with anyway. Uh, unrestricted free agents down from there. Uh, you got Ricky Rubio with Utah. I foresee that he's going to be out of their price range as well. Patrick Beverly from the Clippers is an inter- interesting one. Most likely, he's going to be out of the price range of the nine point three mid level exemption as well. But I think there is a world that he possibly falls through the cracks. I, I just, I just feel like that. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that could use his defense off the bench and a little bit of veteran presence. I just feel like he will get over that $9.3 million per, per season. Bobby Marks at ESPN said he's going to be getting 14 or $15 million a season, and obviously he's got more insight to front offices than I do, and uh, I also agree that the that he's going to be over that middle of exemption. But like I said, there's a chance that um, I think the Pistons should call him at 6 o'clock on Sunday and say, we're going to give you a four-year deal, starts at nine point three. And you can uh, get raises off of that, so it ends up being something like uh, you know forty million or something like that. So I think they should max out uh, Patrick Beverly, extend that offer if they can. That's a spoiler alert on my recommendation for the uh, Pistons front office. But another name out there is Seth Curry. Um, obviously, more of a combo guard, probably more of a shooting guard than a point guard, but has a guy is a guy who has handled the ball quite a bit in the past for the Trailblazers. So, um, and another hot name out there given that he performed pretty well in the playoffs and can knock down three-pointers at a very efficient clip as well. Inside the division, uh, a couple of names out there are Darren Collison and Corey Joseph of the Indiana Pacers. Darren Collison's an outstanding three-point shooter and uh, just a nice role player off the bench. Getting up there, he's over 30 years old now. Uh, Corey Joseph is a guy who's been steady and solid but didn't really break out for the Pacers like maybe they had hoped when they picked him up off the Raptors there. A couple of guys that have showed a lot I guess uh showed a lot of promise as high picks. Uh we'll start with Alfred Payton who was with the Pelicans last year. a uh, guy who's out there and Rajon Rondo, another mid first round pick who's turning into a veteran as we all have gotten older in our own ages <laughs> and Rajon has done that too. Used to be a young guy with Boston. Um a little bit lower on the list, Rajon Rondo is a formerly a uh, very good defensive player who's now uh, kind of worn out as welcome in most of his stops including the Lakers last year where Famously, kind of sat a, away from his team on the bench at the end of last season when the the season appeared to be lost and was lost at that point. And a couple of names that people throw out quite a bit. You got the T.J. McConnell's of the world um from Philly. Small, kind of a. I, I did the cross cross racial comparison with Ish Smith. I feel like they're kind of similar players. Got some blowback from at least one of the listeners on that one. And maybe they thought I was disrespecting-ish a little bit there. But then you got Derrick Rose, obviously maybe the, one of the sexier names on this list because he's a former MVP, who's coming off of a very good year for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's got a lot of haters out there. and I know Koo Khalil, one of the uh, Pistons Twitter's um, foremost guys out there, loves Derrick Rose, maybe even more than the Pistons, I think. But, um, yeah, like I said, very good season. Improves his three-point shooting throughout his career, so uh, obviously has worked on that and is someone who has the health concerns, a laundry list of health concerns throughout his career, but a guy who could be productive and could uh, get major minutes for the Pistons as well. Isaiah Thomas, um, a near MVP level a couple years ago before all the injuries set in, and his defense is a minus as well. So obviously there's some inherent risks with the injuries, but also limitations with the defense. And then Jeremy Lin, who uh, won a ring with the Raptors, even though he was uh, barely even a bit player in that situation after being traded from the Atlanta Hawks. Another cheap young option out there is Emmanuel Moutier from the New York Knicks this past season. He was not extended the qualifying offer by them, so he is out there in unrestricted free agency world right now. So those are some of the names out there for free agency, and uh, I will talk to you guys up next about who I think the Pistons should go after and why in terms of the big money, uh, mid-level exemption, maybe a mid-range type of guy and then a guy that if they decide to go cheap on the point guard and go with a minimum type of guy, who I think the Pistons might covet in those scenarios. That's up next here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. So we will continue this series on Friday with part two of the free agency period preview. We're going to talk about the big men there and also throw in some wing players that they could maybe – take a flyer on for the minimum as well. But the Pistons, what should they do at point guard during the free agency period? And like I said, I think the first thing they should do, the first call they should make at 6 o'clock on Sunday, provided, of course, that there's no tampering before 6 o'clock on Sunday between the Pistons and any agents across the league, call Patrick Beverly and extend the full mid-level exception and uh, four years, escalated as much as they can, give the max mid-level exception and offer it to Patrick Beverley, and we'll figure out the rest from there. Assuming that that is going to be an offer that's turned down by Patrick Beverley, you call Seth Curry, and you get his 49, th- 43.9% three-point shooting in here, offer him a little bit less than the mid-level exception, uh, try to wrap him up for three or four years. Maybe you have to give him a player option for the last year of one of those years, uh, if it's a 2-plus-1 or maybe a 3-plus-1. And uh, bring him in here. To do what you can, and uh, or maybe he's uh, someone who wants a one plus one. But uh, do what it takes and uh, drive up that price. You know, like I said, try to leave yourself a little bit of wiggle room uh, to bring in another, you know, minimum salary type of player to fill out the entire mid level exception. But like I said, a guy who's probably more of an off guard than a point guard, but. Uh, You know That could be a good thing because if he's on the second unit with Luke Kennard, we've seen with Luke with the ball in his hands that he's a guy who can make plays as well. So they can maybe divvy up a little bit of the playmaking uh, unit there. And obviously, any time that you can get shooters around Blake Griffin, open things up for Andre Drummond on the inside, um, I think Tony Snell is going to help in that regard too, that I think you're going to have an advantage if you can get those guys out there. Now, the defense for Seth Curry isn't great, obviously, but um, you know, Bruce Brown, guys like Carrie Thomas can help in that regard in terms of, dra- or of uh, covering some of the better, uh, you know, backcourt players in the league as well. So Seth Curry is someone who I think they should target if they're going to kind of say, hey, let's uh, let's split the difference here, take this mid-level exception, maybe divide that up in terms of. Uh, a couple of our needs, whether that be the try to maybe we try to get another wing. We don't believe that Seku's going to be ready. Maybe we started a four million dollar deal for one of those wings and try to find the, the backup point guard with like a five million dollar deal. You know, who I would recommend with that is to re sign Ish Smith. Um, he's a well known commodity, he's well liked in the locker room, well liked by Detroit Pistons fans. Um, bringing in Ish Smith back for another season, provided that you're going to give some, uh, you know, quality. Uh, reinforcements in terms of the backup center and maybe even another wing to add to the depth chart. I could stomach it, and I think Pistons fans could stomach it as well. We are very aware of the good things that Ish Smith brings to the Detroit Pistons and the limitations that he brings as well, so we won't go over those. But if you're going to go cheap and you think – and by the way, going cheap is something I do not recommend. I think that with Reggie Jackson's injury history, I think you should find more times to sit Reggie Jackson out um, from games, period. Throughout the upcoming season, uh, reduces minutes like they did throughout the entire uh, this past season as well. And like I said, be ready for maybe a catastrophic injury. Be ready for the fact that he's not going to play well. All those kind of things, and then also be ready for the fact that you might trade him in February at the trade deadline, and, and would need someone to play those point guard minutes. So again, I would recommend that they go after Seth Curry and, and, Ish, and Ish Smith as kind of the backup plan there but maybe not even Ishmith as the backup plan. Ishmith is kind of the uh second option in terms of strategy. If 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 you have to go to a backup plan to Seth Curry, I would still recommend paying a lot of money, uh, a lot of your available money towards point guard and maybe going after like a Derrick Rose type uh someone who could uh you know take advantage of the situation in Detroit in terms of not having a great starting point guard. See that? And say maybe I can uh, build up my value and play on this team and play well on this team and uh, become the superstar that I think that I still am in my own mind. But if if the Pistons for some reason want to take a crazy flyer and uh, go very cheap on that, I would extend a minimum offer to Emmanuel Mudiay of the New York Knicks. Uh, actually had kind of a decent year last season, high volume, low pressure, um, six foot five, just a, a very talented guy who could be worth taking a flyer on. Again, not what I would recommend the Pistons to do so that's the point guard situation that's my recommendations that's some of the options that are out there and that'll do it for us today on the lockdown Pistons podcast we're talking bigs and wings tomorrow on Friday's show hopefully we'll have that up early in the morning as well but thanks for joining us enjoy the rest of the day and uh, free agency is here soon and we'll be with you all throughout this period and into summer league as well lots of basketball to talk about this summer before we hit our dead period where we scrounge for things to talk about here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Thanks for listening.